It was a large catch. We read on down, it was 153 great fish. The Greek word is mega, mega fish. They were large fish. They were of different species because it says they were fishes. They didn't just hit a shoal of a certain breed of fish or species of fish. They were a variety of fishes. I don't believe that there were 153 different species of fish. I've heard a preacher say that. I don't think so. But still, it was a remarkable catch. It was a very revealing catch. And you'll notice who it was that identified the Lord. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and it is, again, my great privilege to minister to your heart wherever you may be found today. I trust that God Himself will bless you and help you as you seek to live the Christian life. We're living in difficult days to be a Christian, not because there is here in Canada open persecution as in other lands. We don't suffer as other Christians in a physical way, but there is a spiritual opposition, and there is a political opposition against the witness of the Christian. In Canada, it was once thing to uh, boast of and, and delight in that you were a Christian walking with God. Today, there is a, a deep reproach and resentment. The new uh, humanism of this age, the uh, pantheism and the atheism. In fact, I meet people on the doors and they openly advertise themselves as an atheist. And in that uh, atmosphere, it becomes difficult to bear witness for the Lord Jesus. And I do hope that your life is bearing a, a light and witness for the Lord. The Lord is still, we're not to put our light on a, uh, under a bushel, but to set it on a hill that the city in darkness may be uh, enjoy the light. And so I trust that through this radio program and through the preaching of God's Word from the pulpit of our church, that the Lord will minister to you and that you will become, therefore, a light to spread the message of the gospel further. On today's program, we're coming back to the disciples fishing all night and catching nothing until the Lord turned up in the morning. And then when they put the net on the right side of the ship at the Lord's command, of course, it was a full net and an, an amazing catch of fish. I can only pray that God in his mercy may visit us in the work of the gospel. Uh, for years, we felt like uh, spreading the net and catching nothing. But when the Lord comes to visit in grace, when the Lord pours out his spirit, then he will fill that net and there will be a, a harvest of fish. So we're trusting, we're leaning on the Lord and learning to lean more and more. Today we have the hymn, I need thee, I need thee, every hour I need thee. And uh, I trust that that hymn will minister to your heart. We're coming to our Q&A in the book of Romans. And the question today is, how did Paul introduce himself? Uh, he writes to these Christians at Rome, and he announces that it is Paul the Apostle. But what other ways does he introduce himself? Well, he calls himself a servant of Christ. And it is the, the word for slave. He is a totally committed, unreserved servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at the Lord's command, he is an apostle. He can do none other. He can do nothing else 
but serve God. And we need men who are called of God in our generation who can do nothing else but preach and teach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul also said that he was separated unto the gospel. Uh, He was separated from every other message, every other philosophy, and uh, he was exhorting people to worship God only through the gospel. And if people can't agree with the message of the gospel, uh, we, we lament, of course, but we can't change the message. We can't change the gospel. We can't water it down or compromise to make it pleasing to all men. Uh, This is a message, no doubt, that will separate men. You can't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your only Redeemer and Savior, the only way to the Father. If you want to be a syncretist or an ecumenist, uh, you must be totally dedicated, separated unto the gospel. Paul also said in verse 14, Romans 1, that he was a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians. Now, this does not mean that he did not preach to Jews. He did. But there was something about God's command and call upon Paul that he was a a minister to the Gentiles. Uh, Those that were barbarians and Greeks, uh, the the learned and unlearned uh, outside of the Jewish world who were without God and without the gospel. And he was greatly burdened that he might minister unto them. A debtor. Uh, He owed something because God gave him that people in the, in the commission to preach the gospel. And as a debtor, he went about proclaiming the message of the gospel. May the Lord lay that burden upon us and give us a sense that we owe men the message of the gospel. We owe it to them that we take the news that Jesus sees. May the Lord help us to do that day by day. We're turning now to our short hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns, and then to the message, Fishing All Night. It doesn't matter what the program is, how effective it appears to be on paper, and how you get people excited about it. It doesn't matter how unified they are about going at it. Without the Lord's blessing, it will accomplish nothing. I think this is another example, an illustration of the Lord's statement, without me, ye can do nothing. Talk of a humbling question. You'll notice in verse 5 how the Lord addressed these seven men in the boat. Jesus saith unto them, children. Now, in a prior uh, address, the Lord said, little children, and he used the Greek word tekna. Tekna. That's sort of darling expression. That's friendship. Little children. In this word, he did not use techna, he used paideon. We would get pediatrician from that in the English language. But it's not a little tiny child. It's not even a toddler. It's a half-grown boy or girl. And as he addresses these seven grown men as children, 
he's pointing out their inaptitude, their, their immaturity, and their inability to do anything that would bring forth good fishing. This was no doubt a startling failure. As I say, they had a boat, they had a net, they had adequate manpower, they had experience, they had time, they were fishing all night, they were on familiar water, Galilee, but they had nothing, nothing. You look at the Christian church today, you just take the lesson and apply this to the Christian church today, we have every advantage. Internet, media, we have methods of spreading the message coming out of our ears. But there's never been a time when the church is weaker, less effective, and perhaps filled with less hope. And that we have to confess. We have to acknowledge the startling failure. Our only hope is for the Lord to show himself again the Lord to come into the midst. And for this we must pray. For this we must get on our knees. The whole church needs to unite as one man, one body of people, and cry to the Lord, Lord, we have all of these things, but Lord, we need you in the midst. We need your grace, your power. Why is prayer so hard? Why is waiting on the Lord so difficult for Christians? Why do we have so many other things to do? And we seem to put that first before prayer. How may we get inspired to really pray? I think we need to learn the hard lesson of our failure to drive us to our knees. And I think that's what the Lord was doing here. Is he doing it with you tonight? and showing you your need for the Lord himself. I move on now to the Lord showed himself by his command. If you look at verse 6, you will see that in a very commanding manner, verse 6, he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And upon that command, hope returned immediately. Here are these men empty-handed with a net and no fish, and they were wondering, we're going to give up. And the Lord said, cast the net on the right side of the ship. And at that command, their purpose for fishing was restored. And remarkably, the Lord, even at this point, was able to command the disciples in the way. Now, remember, the Lord had not yet revealed himself. They didn't know who this stranger was. And yet, he was able to command them in this manner, and they obeyed immediately. And I want to point out something else. The Lord didn't just suggest. He commanded, cast your net on the right side of the ship. His authority was there. He could move these men to obey without hesitation, no complaining, not even in the best position. They were just a little distance off the shore. And the Lord just cast the net over the right side of the ship. They cast therefore. Now, the therefore shows you the spiritual power of the Lord's command. And when the Lord's going to do a work in his church, he's going to speak, and he's going to command, and he's going to send the blessing. And surely this is the experience of God's 
servants in many places. They hear the Lord in the Bible. They know that they must obey, and they're given the will and the desire to do it. That's, that's one of the miracles. One of the miracles that we must see here is that these men, seven of them, failures they were, they cast the net one more time on the right side of the ship at the command of an apparent stranger. How do you motivate Christians? How do you get people to serve God? How do you create a burden in a man or woman's heart to serve the Lord? Well, there's a verse in Psalm 110.3. It says, My people shall be willing in the day of my power. Now, we normally attribute that to the conversion of an ungodly, rebellious sinner. My people shall be willing in the day of my power. But I believe God can also make his people zealous and effective, ready and willing to obey and go to do the Lord's will. When the Lord gives you a command, he'll give you the heart to obey it. That's the wonderful thing. The two come together. There's no missionary that goes out into Christian service and saying, I've no heart for this, but I have to do it. When a person is really called of God, they're given the inclination, the inner desire, the burden to obey, and they do it with all their hearts. So it was a command with no hesitation. It was a command that brought hope for these failures. Many a preacher has said, I'll never preach again. I'm finished. Many a Sunday school teacher has said, I'll never teach Sunday school again. I'm finished. I've given up. But soon they're back at it again. And these disciples, they cast the net. Now, you'll notice that it was a very specific command. Cast the net on the right side of the ship. Now, I've thought about this every which way, and we can't come up with the idea, well, they're always fishing on the wrong side, and prior to this, they were fishing on the left-hand side, and then you would wonder, well, what's the significance of the right-hand side of the ship? We don't know. But it was the Lord showing that he's directing things in a very specific manner, and right there, 100 yards offshore, 200 cubits, on the right side of the ship, cast the net, and we know the result. Here is the Lord commanding. And when the Lord commands his servants, his people to serve him, he often gets to the specifics, and we don't always know why, but it's the Lord's will. And it's the Lord way. We have a number of men who lost out because they didn't obey the specific. You remember Uzzah, who put his hand to the, the cart when the Ark of the Covenant was being carried? Smitten because he shouldn't have put his hand to the steady the cart. Moses, he was told to speak to the rock, and he did. Water came out. Sorry, got it backwards. Smite the rock was the first one, and he did, and the water came out. The second time he was told to speak to the rock, but he smote it, and the Lord chastised Moses, and the rest of his days he was kept out of the promised land. And he died in that mountain before Joshua took over, and they crossed the Jordan. 
You see, that there are specific commands that you and I must not miss, and they're very important, very important. We need to learn that obedience. Now, this is nothing new. It's the way that God's servants have served him down through the years. Philip was in Samaria. There was a time of blessing, and the church was uh, seeing souls saved, and God said to Philip, go down to Gaza. And the Ethiopian was waiting for someone to show him the way. God guides his servants in specific ways. Listen to this uh, little poem. Who walks with God must take his way across far distances and gray to goals that others do not see where others do not care to be. Who walks with God must have no fear when danger and defeat appear, nor stop when every hope seems gone, for God, our God, moves ever on. Who walks with God must press ahead when sun and cloud is overhead, when all the waiting thousands cheer, or when only stop to sneer, when all the challenge leaves the hours and naught is left but faded powers, but he will someday reach the dawn, for God, our God, moves ever on. And one stanza from Francis Havergill, who wrote this, Master, speak, thy servant heareth, waiting for thy gracious word, longing for thy voice that cheereth. Master, let it now be heard. I am listening, Lord, for thee. What hast thou to say to me? And as you read this chapter of these disciples given the command, here was the Lord showing himself. Now, let me say to you, before I move on from this, if we do not obey the command when the Lord shows himself, we're not going to see the net filled. If these men stood in the boat and said, well, Lord, there's no point. It's pointless. It's useless. I won't do it. I can't do it anymore they would never have had the blessing. And if we want the blessing, we've got to obey the word God has already spoken. And when we take that step of obedience, the Lord reveals himself. And that brings us to the great catch, this dramatic catch. And I believe, uh, as I read verse 6, that it says that it was an instant catch. It says, they cast, therefore, and now. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. I think the author there was showing that this was a sudden, remarkable, and immediate filling of the net of these amazing fish. As soon as they cast the net, it was a great surprise. It was a large catch. We read on down, it was 153 great fish. The Greek word is mega, mega fish. They were large fish. They were of different species because it says they were fishes. They didn't just hit a shoal of a certain breed of fish or species of fish. They were a variety of fishes. I don't believe that there were 153 different species of fish. I've heard a preacher say that. I don't think so. But still, it was a remarkable catch. It was a very revealing catch. 
And you'll notice who it was that identified the Lord. It wasn't Peter. Peter must have been so excited. I know Peter. Peter's excitable. And in his excitement, he must have been taken with the fish. But it was John, the beloved disciple, that recognized it is the Lord. And you see, John the beloved, love has a sense of the Savior. And he announced, it is the Lord. And then Peter, hearing that in his typical fashion, donned his coat out of the boat over to the shore, the first to meet the Lord. That's Peter. That's Peter. And it was certainly a very revealing catch. Now, the fish didn't matter from then on. They didn't let them go, by the way. But Peter just left the boat and walked over to the Lord, jumped into the, the, the shoreline and went over to greet the Lord. But it was a safe catch because we're told the net didn't break, unlike the account in Luke 5 where the net broke. <laughs> There's so many fish. But this net did not break. They dragged it all the way onto shore, and then they counted the fish. Some would... Uh, draw the lesson from this, that you don't count the fish until they're all in heaven. You don't count souls until they're in heaven. But they're all safe, and they're all sure. It was also a rewarding catch. You'll notice how the Lord greeted the disciples, verse 12. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And they didn't dine on the fish they caught. They dined on food the Lord provided. Come and dine. Here was a wonderful time of refreshing, blessed fellowship with the Lord. And they would be built up in the faith. The Lord would further reveal himself. And then he began to commission Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. What a, a, an amazing event this is. The Lord showing himself. Now, how long has it been since you really prayed? I mean really prayed. How long has it been until you have sensed the Lord ministering to your soul? This is the issue here. For these disciples, there were periods when the Lord was, was gone from them, out of sight, and he showed himself again. We've had prayer meetings in this church where men and women wept for souls. We've had prayer meetings in this church where we've had the prayer room filled with people, and that's before we divided off two classrooms. We've had times when just about every person in the congregation, or let me say it this way, every home was represented in the prayer room of the church. We need to see those days again. We need to learn our failure and need of the Lord to show himself again. And he can make his people willing. I don't have to browbeat people to come to a prayer meeting. When the Lord speaks and commands, they'll come. And I think our first prayer, and on Wednesday night, we better get to this. Lord, will you revive the hearts of your people in our church? Let's start with our own little congregation. 
the apathy, the carelessness, the prayerlessness, the, the fatigue that many are displaying. Lord, will you deal with that and bring us to the place of seeking the Lord and reveal yourself again. And then we pray on and we pray for the many, many needs. I had a hymn that I was going to uh, call now, Go Ye Into All the World, but we won't do that. I don't think this is just the moment to sing, Go Ye Into All the World and Preach the Gospel. I, I would rather have a hymn, Go to the Prayer Meeting and Pray for the Souls of Men. We need the Lord. That's our only hope. That's our only hope. Methods, schemes, plans, organization will do nothing if the Lord doesn't show himself again. Will you pray for that? Will you earnestly pray, Lord, do this again in our church? Visit us with times of blessing. Let's unite in prayer. Father, we come pleading mercy tonight. We have searched this passage of your word. We have learned something of your ways with your disciples. Oh, Lord, teach us what we need to do. And oh, Lord, bring us to the point where we are ready to confess our failure. And Lord, give us that command to spread the net again. Lord, there are souls all around us that are lost in sin, and we are powerless to reach them. They're there. They need to hear the gospel. They need to be brought out of darkness into your light. Oh God, will you equip us and stir us and make us a church useful for your kingdom. Bless every heart tonight. Continue to deal with us. And grant that on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that you will show yourself in grace. And through this week, go with your people. And now dismiss us with your blessing and may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with your people, now and evermore. Amen. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca.
This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdalefpc.ca, and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning, and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdalefpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdalefpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.